Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is we continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. On this Red Shirt Friday, I just thought with Amanda Radke's week that she had and how we should all do more of what she did this week. I thought, you know what? Let's just get Amanda back on here. How are you, Amanda? I'm doing wonderful. Maybe I should come around more often, huh? Well, I think everybody in the world would second that. You should be here more often. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, you should just do it and I could go do other things. Yeah. I think people would miss you too much if you just took off. I'm not going to disappear. <laughs> We'll debate this another time. So you um, you took your kids to school this week. <laughs> Finally. Finally, you took your kids to school. <laughs> and, I did. And I'm going to make the, a couple of the videos present in different locations. But what did you do? So many people might know that I'm a children's book author. And so I go to classrooms across the country reading my farm books to kids. Uh, But on Tuesday, I got to involve my own kids. And we attended a classroom event hosted by our Mitchell Area Chamber of Commerce. And each year they put on this event out at our 4-H grounds where there's different stations. And so there was, you know, a goat station, pigs, uh, farming, electricity, uh, planting a garden. And then we were the beef cattle station. And so we brought in a baby calf and the kids helped me to explain to 254th graders in our area about beef cattle and what it takes to be ranchers. You know, those are, um, Kelly helps with two or three each year where they do that kind of thing in Broken Bow and Kearney and different places. It's extremely beneficial, but it's not easy. It's not easy to have the energy throughout the course of the day because you have these stations and these kids keep rotating through there, but it's essential. It's something that everybody needs to do because I assure you, you will look at your own life and what you do in a different way after you've been interrogated by 400 400 third graders in one day or fourth grade. How old were these kids, you say? Fourth grade. Fourth grade. 400 fourth graders. Yes. And you know, our one of the volunteers for the event said that this event is one of the very few in the state of South Dakota that even happens anymore. Most events have gone virtual where they send a video to the classroom. And it is just not the same as having those kids in front of you where they they can touch that animal and they can ask you any question that ever comes to their mind. And they ask you all kinds of questions. And uh, yeah, you just can't replace it with uh, a video. So anytime that folks can put on a farm tour or an event like this or actually get to visit with kids or go into the classroom. Uh, you can't put a dollar amount on that kind of publicity and and also just planting those seeds because every single day of their lives they're going to be told that farmers and ranchers are bad, uh, specifically that beef is bad. And so we got to counter that narrative a little bit by showing them who we are and, and what we do and, and so that they can put a face to the beef cattle industry. Yeah, just on this very day and across the pond that no nobody could see live because, well, apparently the censorship has caught up with me. But uh, I shared an article that's from an unnamed publication 
talking about what, and we know that animal agriculture contributes 15 to 20% of all greenhouse gas emissions. No, we don't know that. That's a blatant lie. And yet those blatant lies are repeated time and time again. And in the big picture, Amanda, I'm sure somebody's saying, okay, here's a, a global publication telling people what's going on. And you two Looney Tunes think that talking to 400 fourth graders, I don't know the number is 400, but that's a typical number that we've had in, in our events. Talking to 400 fourth graders in one location in South Dakota is going to make a difference, but it does make a difference. Yeah. And if it's, if it's not us, then who, I mean, who else is going to tell the story besides the ranchers themselves? And we've always known it's a hard mountain to climb. There's less than 2% of us in the entire United States who are involved in production agriculture. If we're not out there making the effort, well, then those major publications get to run away with their lies and just perpetuate that for the next generation to believe. So we have to keep beating the drum and sharing our story story. And what I always tell people is the great thing is, is the truth is on our side. And so it's easy to go out there and celebrate the truth when, uh, because you're not having to lie. So it's, uh, yeah. And the other aspect of this that I have to share, because I could tell by what you were sending me, you were a pretty proud mama standing along the sidelines, watching your kids do this as well as you do. I do have to brag on my kids a little bit. because. <laughs> They uh, So we did these stations rotating with these classes from 9.30 a.m. till 2.45 p.m. And so these little groups of, you know, 15, 20 kids would come and you'd give the exact same presentation over and over again. So one of the things we did is I put Ziploc baggies full of, you know, our bedding and the feed, you know, corn and hay. We brought a, a tuber and some milk replacer. We brought in a halter. We brought in the ear tagger. And so I'd go through this whole thing of showing all these kids these different items from the farm and passing them around and I had to go to the bathroom about 11 and I said hey kids you got this you like teach them whatever you want I'll be back and so I went (laughs) so I went to the bathroom I I come back and they're just yakking away to these kids so I'm like I'm gonna grab a video and pretty soon I start videotaping and Scarlett's explaining in detail about castrating animals (laughs) and then she looks at me and she's like is that okay mom and I'm like well it's too late now so one group of fourth graders (laughs) uh, they're probably scarred but by the end of the day the whole afternoon I didn't speak the rest of the time because they just took ran away with it and it was pretty awesome they would raise their hands and and she'd say now I'll get to all of you you know and and she's seven years old and just kind of took that class but you know, when, when it's your life and it's your story and you're passionate about it and she loves those animals, uh, that's a story that's attractive. And it doesn't matter if it comes from a 34-year-old mother or a seven-year-old kid experiencing that life. And honestly, so, she was probably better at it because those kids could relate to her more. Yeah, than absolutely. She was adult. she's the, like the perfect communicator because she, she's somewhat their age. Um, and I, I'm really humored, intrigued, actually that she tells that story about castrating, but then has the awareness to ask you, mom, is it okay that I shared that? (laughs) That that, that speaks volumes to something. I don't know exactly what it is, but it tells me something. Well, she might've picked up on their faces that they were like, what is this seven-year-old telling us? (laughs) 
<laughs> then, you know, pretty soon it turned into this anatomy lesson because they're asking, well, how do you tell if it's a boy or a girl? And she's lifting up the tail and she's showing everything. And, you know, kids need to learn that stuff, too. So you've just convinced me that that's a better approach than uh, particularly me or you doing it, because Scarlett doesn't know there's something that maybe you shouldn't talk about. And so she's going to tell them the truth. She's going to tell them exactly everything. We, we've been conditioned like, oh, you know, maybe we shouldn't lift up that tail. Maybe we shouldn't talk about the testicles. I don't, I may, the, 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 she just lets it all loose. And that's a better yep. experience for the kids, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're trying to hide anything. And, you know, some concepts are harder for kids to understand than others. I mean, we got questions about, you know, how do you feel about eating them? Or we got questions mm-hmm. about, you know, just do think do calves die? You know, we we talked about some pretty heavy topics because fourth graders honestly have a desire to learn more. And so and it no wasn't filter. Just, yeah, no filter. And so, yeah, sometimes being just super transparent and, re, you know, trying to relate to them as fellow human beings, uh, it, it does. It puts a face on who we are. We're, we're real people. And, and, you know, we have hard time with a baby calf dying. And, and of course, you know, growing up showing 4-H steers, that last day of the 4-H steers life was always pretty tough too, but we had to overcome that. We had to Mm -hmm. learn to understand that circle of life. And I think if every kid had that opportunity to understand that life cycle and what that beef animal contributes to enriching human lives, um, you know, we'd be in a lot better position in this country than we currently are now. Yep, no doubt about it. And that is my greatest just angst, my frustration, my absolute borderline anger that in the past two years, probably 20 years, we just didn't know it. We've completely ignored what's beneficial for the kids. We put them in a bubble. Did you know those kids are living in a bubble like some guy in New Jersey? We need to let them live life. That's the moral of the story. That is a real education. All right, Amanda Radke on a Red Shirt Friday. We will take a break. We'll come back and explore more after this. I think the next time I'm going to see Amanda Radke will be the opportunity for you to be there as well. Broken Bow, Nebraska, the Piedmontese Bull Sale. Lone Creek is hosting the Bull Sale this year. The Friday evening activities on April the 8th will take place in Broken Bow at the One Box Event Center, the convention center there in Broken Bow. And then on Saturday at the ranch, that is uh, straight east. Yeah, that's east of Broken Bow. The bull sale will take place. So get full details about the Piedmontese bull sale and just come meet the people. Look at the cattle. See what's going on in the world of Piedmontese. Details about everything above. Except Amanda Radke at LoneCreekCattleCode.com. See you there. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Lewis alongside Amanda Radke. AmandaRadke.com, by the way. She keeps you well clothed. I'm actually on this Friday wearing a rag from Amanda Radke that says, We the people. She's somewhat patriotic in all endeavors. Uh, what did you learn? from your kid's experience. And I'm pretty saddened to think that this is just rare anymore. This should happen Mm -hmm. in every school system. Even when I was a fourth grader, we went to one of the local dairies. We got to get back to that. You, you, you just needed to start a movement right there. Yeah. You know, it, it takes a lot of volunteers that understand what you're trying to accomplish and realizing that 
if those go if that event goes away there there's nothing else that those kids could you know be exposed to farming and ranching i mean that might be the one and only time they stand next to a huge tractor or get to you know see a little piglet or you know ask questions of a producer and so I guess for me, you know, we get so busy in the hustle and bustle of life, you forget that there's true value in doing things like that. And honestly, my batteries were just recharged by being able to spend that time with those kids, which you could tell some of them were kind of struggling with the information or you wonder, you know, is this beneficial or does this push them away because they see this cute baby Mm -hmm. calf, you know? Uh, But at the end of the day, you also hope that, oh, you know, they got to spend some time with a producer and see that we're real human beings. We're, you know, nice people. You know, that's half the battle is them just getting to know you and and understand that you're not some bad guy like you're portrayed in the media. Um, so I guess I was reminded, too, of how important it is to do these things. So, see, so you did learn something. I did. Yes. And <laughs> I've been on there and I, I, I calculated it out between going to schools to read my books and this event, I think in the month of March, which is egg literacy month, I think I've spoke to about 1500 kids this month, including my four own. (laughs) So it's been awesome to be able to be back in the classroom because with COVID you couldn't go. So it's been two years since I've been able to do that. I was able to do one high school class in March and I had not done a high school class for two years. No, but I did uh, one in March and two in February, and uh, I, 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 it seems to be more taxing on you personally because you go through all of these things, whether it's high school or grade school. Grade school kids have no filter. High school kids have a filter, but they still have – you can tell they've been fed all of this information. And the one thing that came to me as I was visiting with this high school group there are so many people that actually have been convinced that the population is outpacing resources. And so that at mm-hmm. the end of the day, we've lost the battle and people understanding that the resource providers can continue to provide what is needed as long as we keep government out of the way. Now, obviously that's a thought process you're not going to have with the fourth grader, but just that blend and balance. Uh, I'm, I'm like you, I, I've been, it is very taxing and yet re- rejuvenating to go spend more time there. Oh, I I think it's safe to say high school kids are scary. (laughs) They're like your hardest audience you're ever going to speak to. And when I spoke, I mean, I spoke at several high schools this month and what an awesome opportunity, but also, you know, I mean, you walk in and you know, half of them hate you already. (laughs) So you, you have to try extra hard to reach them. And I guess the biggest thing that I wanted to reach and speak to them about wasn't just about agriculture because Half of them think that literally we're going to run out of resources next year or within five years. You know, that's what they've been told. So they truly think the world is coming to an end. Imagine starting your life. You're 17 years old. The world is your oyster. And you actually believe the world is going to end in five years. You know, that's that's the whole feeling. You know, no wonder they (laughs) no wonder they have troubles. But the biggest thing I wanted to tell kids is because every kid in America right now is being told that they're a victim or an oppressor in some way, shape or form. And I wanted to remind the kids, and this is what I learned growing up on a farm, is that life is tough and you are going to fall on your butt over and over and over again. Doors are going to be slammed in your face. You are going to be rejected and told no. You're going to be fired. You're going to you know, lose opportunities. 
but it's how you rise above all of that. And it's how you keep moving forward. You know, that's the cowboy way. You get back up and you keep moving. And so what I wanted those kids to know is that it's not if hard times come, it's when, Mm -hmm. and it's how you, you know, pivot and be creative and find new opportunities where it looks like none exists because we are not victims or oppressors in this country. We can all be victorious no matter where we start in life. And I truly believe the American dream is still alive and well, but this generation of kids is being told for X, Y, Z, they can't possibly succeed. And I find that to be the biggest travesty of all. The one there's two high school experiences that I just, when I think about speaking in high schools, they come to me right away. I was in Yarrington, Nevada, had about 300 kids from every walk of life. And uh, the principal put 300 kids inside of a gymnasium and he basically said, good luck getting their attention. Mm-hmm. That was all I needed to hear. I got their attention. Two things that you can get attention on high school kids is talk about sex and death. And so I did both of them and they didn't want to leave. It was really good. The okay. other one was at a small rural Iowa high school. And Amanda, this is 15 years ago. So it's before we really started zeroing in on what the curriculum is in these schools around the country. But this teacher, well, I had the kids and I did my normal spiel. And my normal spiel is whatever is on my mind and what I feel like at the moment. I don't have like a script. And they started asking questions. And one of the first questions was, what do you think about climate change? And so I walked through my standard procedure about the climate always changes Uh, We need to be better stewards of the land every single day. That should be one of our goals. But to think that we're impacting the overall climate and how it's changing is foolish. Mm -hmm. All of these kids, like in choreographed unison, got this strange look on their face, and I could see them all looking one way. They were all looking what now I know was the science teacher. (laughs) And so because of that, I migrate in the gymnasium to where I find the face of the science teacher because the science teacher was there like, I simply went down there and said, "Uh, ma'am, it looks like you've got something you want to share. Would you like to do that? And she got real red in the face. She, you could tell she got some level of frustration. You got principals, you got superintendents, you have parents in that room. And she said, and I quote, I choose not to bring my agenda to this platform. Hmm. Guess what? She wasn't a science teacher in that school the next year. She was indoctrinating those kids about man-made climate change. And the parents and even the administration didn't really know what was going on. But the fact that those kids, I could tell those kids were bothered by what they were being told and it, it all came out in the wash that day. And I'll never forget that day. That was incredible. And wow. again, that was like 15 years ago. Wow. And you know, what's interesting is just having this conversation and saying, you know, we're challenging the narrative a little bit because we work in agriculture. We tend right. to the land and we see the stewardship practices that we've you know, implemented on our operations for generations. And we've seen the continual improvement Uh, because we speak like that. You get labeled as a client climate change denier and just immediately like disregarded. Like those people are wackadoos. Don't listen to them. Uh, But I find it interesting. And I, I always tell producers at speeches, it's like, I always tell them you're never going to be green enough for the people that actually just want to own your property. You're never going to be sustainable enough 
for the people that say, we'll pay a little money to do these, you know, climate change initiatives, because once they get your, their tentacles onto your property, onto your ranch, they control you. And so to me, my biggest thing is focusing on celebrating what farmers and ranchers already do really well. I'm very passionate about soil health. I'm very passionate about taking care of our lands and making sure that it's it regenerates and it's you know better year after year because it makes sense from a business point. It makes sense from an ecological standpoint. So why, as an agricultural industry, aren't we just celebrating what we already do really well? I don't understand why we're caving to this narrative and just simply saying, oh, you're right. We, we, we should do it so much better. I think that's it's such a disservice and a slap in the face to the ranchers that have worked so hard <laughs> for generations to tell us that we're not doing a good job. That to me, I want to go the other direction and give these producers a pat on the back and say, you really are doing a good job. Now let's go tell that story. So what's the difference between soul and soil? <laughs> well, I'm sure you're going to tell us, but I'm positive when you first told me this joke, I told you it was it's lame, not a joke. It's not a joke. Soil, every, everything revolves around the soil and you take the I and turn it into a you and you have your soul. So really it's all about you take the initiative to make the difference because I am the one that matters. And so you take care of the soul by taking care of the soil. Roll route. That's your Friday. Amanda Radke. We'll be back with the second half right after this. I think she wants to talk about limousine cattle or something. Dr. Nathan Bryan has shared with us so many times in the past the importance, the essential element of nitric oxide and how if you do not have the proper level of nitric oxide in your body, you are going to be challenged. Your immune system is not going to be what it should be. Your cardiovascular system is going to struggle and your mental clarity is going to struggle. Right now, in fact, I think I'm going to get news Monday, but uh, the website will be back up and running. In the meantime, get a hold of me and I'll send you some nitric oxide, NO2U. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Loose. I see that my Across the Pond has now loaded fully after I posted it it would not stream live today so i'm feeling like i've have a new milestone some level finally i've got some level of censorship on facebook yeah congratulations Thank mark you. zuckerberg hates you <laughs> yeah nice why do we keep referencing limousine cattle why last week earlier this week you were on uh trent on the loose and you didn't even want to talk about you lose your passion it. for limousine cattle because the limousine breed deserves a whole hour, not a blip at the end of your show. I got lots to say. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about how people involved have completely screwed them up and moved them away from the real purpose of limousine cattle in the beef sector? Nope. That's not what I want to talk about at all. <laughs> well, that's true. No, I'm going to take you in a different direction today. All right, and tell me. It's going to relate to cancel culture because I had sent you a meme earlier this week on Boxel Manufacturing. They are, I don't even know these people, but I see them all the time. Their memes are hilarious. Uh, they So they do all these agricultural memes. And the one meme was a picture of a limousine car and a limousine cow. 
Now that intrigued me because my very first 4-H speech, the one that you heard me give when I was mm -hmm. seven years old at the Black Hill Stock Show, right. was comparing limousine, the Cadillac of the beef industry, to limousine <laughs> cattle, the Cadillac <laughs> of the car industry. So I was like, here's my speech. Except for on this meme, they talked about how limousine cattle were bat, you know what, crazy. <laughs> and the <laughs> meme went... <laughs> And the meme went viral because it was funny. You know, limousine cattle used to be a little high headed back in the old day. But my first instinct was, oh, man, I need to go and defend the breed because that has been our primary focus for the last 25 years is improving disposition. And now we are the leader in disposition. I mean, our limousine cattle are docile and easy to work with. And the average age of the rancher is 60 years old. And so, uh, you know, if you can save on labor costs and you can be safe working around your livestock there, you can't put a dollar amount on top of that. And so super passionate about that. So I went to go comment and share our limousine story and our breed showed up in a huge way. And everybody was sharing pictures of their limousine cattle with their kids or working them. And I was like, well, wow, you know, this post that was definitely an insult turned into an opportunity to talk about limousine cattle. Now, long story short, he ended up deleting the post because he had gotten so much heat for it. And then he apologized. <laughs> I said, never apologize for speaking truth or, or trying to get a laugh at a time where everything's so dark and heavy. Um, but also, we lost all the great commentary talking about the breed. So I was really kind of bummed out that he, he felt pressured to delete that post. There are so many lessons in that story right there. And, I know. Which direction you want to go? Well, I want to go in the direction that it would have been easy. And, and what we have typically done, we being those of us in the business of food production, animal agriculture in particular, when a protester shows up, and I experienced this in San Francisco at the Cow Palace one year. I mean, I mean, San Francisco at the Cow Palace, protesters were such a commonplace. They have a place marked on the pavement where protesters stand. They're like, protest, you, you protest here. Okay. And when the protesters came, the folks in the rodeo just kicked the dirt and they walked away and say, yeah, well, I can't say what they said. Yeah. And I went out there. I went out there and was and confronted them without being confrontational. And that's exactly what you did and what I hear everybody did. And they turned something that could have been a negative sentiment into a positive opportunity to show those pictures of cows and kids. And those are the things that we care about most. And so you grabbed a hold of the narrative and you you took what could have been a slam and made it an opportunity. If we mm -hmm. would just be better at that, a lot of our problems would just erode. It'd be gone. Absolutely. And so that's like the climate change discussion. Instead of fighting right. with trolls exactly. in the comments, like, hey, I'm glad we're talking about climate change today. Let me talk to you about what we're doing on our ranch to care for our pastures and improve our soil health. And, you know, here's some and here's how cattle play a part in that. You know, there's opportunities here, but we've got to stop being on the defense and, you know, wrestling in the mud with the pigs. And we got to take offense and just own it and just insert ourselves in these conversations. Why did you choose to use wrestling in the mud with the pigs? I knew you'd be triggered. Look at you, you snowflake. I knew you'd be triggered by that. Snowflake? Who are you calling snowflake? <laughs> Sorry, I had to take my shot. <laughs> but I did. Okay, so my favorite picture that I posted. This is my favorite okay. test. 
for the limousine breed uh, was a picture of my dad, 63 years old, weighing a calf, brand new, while the cow stood next to him. You know, he had his four-wheeler right there. He pulls right up, gets out, weighs that calf, tags it, and away he goes. And if there's not a truer testament of the disposition improvement in the breed, mm-hmm. and and um, I don't know what else is, honestly. Uh, that was a great picture. Although you just yeah. only, it, it was kind of like a, a Christy gnome taking a jab picture. You assumed it was him, but you couldn't really see him, you know? Speaking of Christy gnome, she did just make a post on Facebook that they're going to uh, stop Zuck Bucks, Mark Zuckerberg influence in elections in the state of South Dakota. And so I do see that states across the country are working on securing our elections and making sure that our votes count and that they're not influenced by algorithms and uh, globalists with social media who are basically more powerful than nations at this point. Uh, Do you really want to go there right now? (laughs) Election integrity? Yeah, yeah. I agree with you 100%. And Zuckerbucks is one of the most corrupt things that's ever happened to our elections. But if you're stopping and thinking that you're creating election integrity there, I was given information this week that there are 30, 30 examples. Of, apparently, there's a system now that you can, I'm very generic at this, but the concept is right. All right. So there's something that you can put in an election machine, and they're not all Dominion machines. Nebraska, we have ES&S machines, and you can take and put a jump drive in there. It takes a picture of, think about it like looking at your history of where you've been on your computer, right? And this little jump drive that you put in, you take a, a picture of where your computer or where your machine has been, and they're finding that all of them have been accessed remotely multiple times like some some of them up to 36 times in one election season so until we get rid of the machines and we go back to hand voting and proving that you're ca- capable of voting zuckerbox is just the first step in fixing election integrity and we talked about that very eloquently last week when i was in a little town called mitchell south dakota but my guest is sean smith who's on top of this and if you haven't heard that roll rod i suggest you do that but every state not just the states that we hear about. Every state needs to take a serious look at fixing election integrity. And I might add, in my home state of Nebraska, the individual, the one state senator that decided we're going to really grab a hold of this. Yeah, well, he's he did this in January of this year. He's no longer in the Senate. He resigned because they came at him with trumped up things. They came at him with things that may or may not be true. It doesn't matter. They attack anybody that tries to fix the system. So it's not going to be an easy plow, but it's time to get the furrow going. Yeah. And I think uh, the 2020 election kind of laid bare our vulnerabilities and it was death by a thousand cuts. You know, it wasn't just one way that, that our elections were compromised. It was many ways. So, yeah, I think it takes diligence of concerned citizens. Uh, and, and people always say, you know, you're mad because your guy didn't win. No, right. I want my voice to count in every election. I want to be able to vote in the midterms and feel a thousand percent confident that my vote counts and that it's not being compromised in a million different ways. And so I think we have to hold our elected politicians to the fire a bit 
and and tell them that this is a huge issue. And if they're not willing to work with us on that issue, then I have to assume they're part of the system and they've cheated their way in. I mean, you know, that's that's really what what it comes down to for me. If they if they aren't willing to take a look at it, then I have to ask myself why. Well, I'm just going to repeat what I've been saying for the last week. For people who are calling and emailing their elected official and telling them that they need to fix the voter integrity integrity problem that elected them to their position, they're probably not going to be real receptive. Because mm-hmm. whether you were at the benefit of uh, improprieties in election or not, you're ultimately telling a person who won an election that the election's messed up. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep that in mind. And so you have to. And the only way to get around it, the only way to make a difference, the only way to make a difference in this entire representative republic is that it not just Amanda Radke and Trent Luce take a stand and say something. You have to bring the army with you. We have to have more people say, you know, I, I just want transparency. I want to know what's going on. Why can't we look at the contract that we have with the company? We have a direct violation in the state of Nebraska where the state purchased and sent electronic machines for voting to the counties and laptops and laptops. I just found that out this week. That's a direct violation of section 216 in chapter 32 of the voter integrity of of the Nebraska constitution. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. right there, we got a problem. And it's, it's human nature. You know, this might've been happening since the beginning of our Republic. Uh, Wasn't it, when is it, wasn't it Thomas Jefferson that said like, you got to sit on the box. Otherwise the votes, they'll keep stuffing votes in there. I can't remember which president said that, but one of them said that comment and it, that intrigues me a little bit. Uh, so <laughs> anybody that shows livestock or goes to some of these stock show events sees how intense it gets just to win a trophy and how much politics are at play there and how people will compromise their integrity at times to win. Uh, if we don't think it's happening in politics, in U.S. politics and local and state politics where uh, the the trophy is control and power, then we're pretty naive. And so we do we do have to do our due diligence. We have to pay attention and we have to ask the tough questions. And yes, we have to bring more than just one person. Um, we have to bring a massive amount of people to the conversation. I'm going to continue to look for that quote, but at this moment, we got to take a break. You think it was Jefferson? We'll find out Maybe. when we get back. One more segment. Oh, we got to come back to this limousine thing, I think, after this. Well, we've officially named the tour that is going to take place the last week of March. I'll be traveling with Teresa Thibodeau, campaigning to be the next governor of the state of Nebraska. And the campaign stop is going to begin in Sterling, Colorado, at Sterling Livestock. Now, we're not in Sterling together campaigning to be governor of Colorado. It's that Teresa wants to be fully knowledgeable on the South Platte water situation and what we need to do to make sure that the Northeast Colorado irrigators, along with the Nebraska Compact, is followed through. So, Sterling Livestock, Jason Santamosa has full details, 1 to 3 o'clock, Sterling Livestock on March 28th. Teresa and Trent talking turkey on the tour. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Loose. Boom, just like that. We are into the final segment. Amanda Radke. Did I mention AmandaRadke.com? What do you what should I go there for? 
What's what that? do I have to pay? How much do I have to pay you to drop my website? Every time I mention AmandaRadke.com, I send you a bill for 50 bucks. Oh, okay. actually, no, here's the deal. I'm going to make this really simple for you. Thanks to your efforts last week in Norfolk at the Patriots United event, I owe you some money. I'll just deduct it from what I send you. That way you won't have oh, to build no, it. Oh, I don't like the sounds of that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you free swag. I thought that would buy me some free advertisement. All right. That's fair. That, that wasn't. You gave well, my wife free swag. You gave me nothing. <laughs> if people want to shop AmandaRadkey.com, they can <laughs> use code TRENT to save 10%. And while you're there, there's patriotic gear. There's farm shirts, there's books, there's jewelry, there's kids toys, perfect for Easter baskets. And uh, I guess my passion or what I focus on is celebrating um, farming and ranching, agriculture, uh, patriotic Americans, and all of the the values that we hold dear as citizens in this country. And so that's kind of my primary driver as I curate items for this site. So uh, I just referenced this, but I haven't talked about it on the air this week on this program. Patriots United, formed in October of 2021, has an event in March of 2022. And I, I want to tell you what, for as many meetings as you and I go to, to have three, they sold 300 tickets. So we know mm-hmm. there was 300 plus people there. Um, for them to start at 1230 sitting in chairs, and at 5.30, nobody really racing out the door when we're done. That That's a sign it was an incredible event. It, for all practical purposes, it was an incredible event. It, it really was. I, I felt like every single person in that room understood the challenges ahead, uh, but they also just have such a deep love for this country. They were mm-hmm. all there for one thing, to ensure that our kids and grandkids get to live free and have the same opportunities that we have had in this country. And they see that currently that is all under attack and they want to make a difference and take action. So I I was truly inspired by the people in that room that day. Well, you inspired the room that day. It did get a little emotional, but it was like I told your wife, it was like two years of pent up anger that I had to go dump on that stage. (laughs) And apparently other people shared the same sentiments. So, (laughs) yeah. Well, Kevin Jenkins has got like 400 years of pent up frustration. So (laughs) he let it all loose. Yes, it was great. But still, uh, I question the, the events themselves, which we've been a part of uncounted times. I still wonder how we do a better job of creating a solution and a next step after the event. That is the challenge. But ultimately I think everybody's wondering what to do. They feel Mm -hmm. powerless. Like I'm just one person. I think the real power of those events is just simply reminding people they're not alone. They're not alone in that struggle and that they do have a huge backing behind them. That's say, you know, every time someone sticks their neck out to do the right thing, you've got millions of people that are cheering you on. You may not know them or see them, but they do exist. And so there was, there was one woman that came into the room crying because she had just found out she was terminated from her job at a hospital. And, you know, aside from being able to give her a big hug, I also hope that we gave her 
some hope for the future and that there are new opportunities that lie ahead that would um, align with her values and wouldn't compromise her soul and that there is a bright future, you know, for folks that are saying no more. I don't want to be part of a system that treats me like a slave. And there, there is, there's a bright future ahead. I do hear some Kevin Jenkins in you and your dissertation now. Multiple, I mean, I only multiple times, multiple times you've, you've used stuff that you learned from him. And that, I'm not saying that negatively. I'm saying that's what it's about. People from different walks of life coming together, sharing for a common goal. And I learned from him a tremendous amount. Hopefully he learned something from you and I. That's the reason that we need to continue to have community events instead of putting us into this socially isolated arena. Yeah. And you know, spending time with Kevin, I got to drive him to the airport. So he was stuck. Oh, with by the way, car. thank you for that. I should have just mentioned AmandaRadke.com because you went out of your way to cover up my mistake. Oh, I loved it though. I got to, he was stuck. He was trapped in a car with me for five hours. He could not escape. And no, boy, we had 10. Oh no, it was five, two and a half. Five. Back. Okay. Five hours. Okay. Go ahead. For Kevin, it probably did feel like 10, but <laughs> I told him, I said, do you, do you understand this doesn't happen? You know, a, a urban developer in real estate from New Jersey, sitting down with a farm girl from South Dakota, and we're finding things that we're so passionate about that are the exact same things that doesn't happen in this country anymore. We've been divided in so many different ways and including the urban and rural divide. And here this person is that I consider one of my nearest and dearest friends now. I mean, that's, that's my brother. He's amazing. And it's like, look at the different lives that we have walked, but at the end of the day, we come to the same exact conclusions um, that this country is in trouble. And we have to look at, you know, where the, the system is cracking. And not only do we need to expose those cracks, but then we need to go create a new system that serves the American people well. And that's what Kevin's focusing on in the health sector. And that's what I hope to focus on in the food sector, as well as the education sector. You just gave me something. See, I'm learning from you every single time we talk. There have been cracks created. What we are doing is we are coming up with the proper filling of the cracks. Yep. Or just blow it up with dynamite and start fresh with something even better. I don't know. Okay. Well, I was going at a really good pace and and with uh, filling the cracks and then you're going to go blow something up. Yeah. We're just going to dynamite that cement and we'll, we'll lay, we'll lay new something better. But you do you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I'll just do me. Uh, All right. So back to the issue at hand, limousine cattle. Oh, boy. There's a lesson here. All right. I'll allow it. Thank you, Your Honor. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm going to have quite a I'll allow it. My goodness. I guess your show or something. All right. So uh, in the late 80s, I get into limousine cattle. And I actually, you wouldn't know this because you were just a little turd at this time. The limousine world, I don't know, probably 94, had a featured story about Trent and Kelly Luce getting into limousine cattle because it was the easiest breed to raise with the hog mentality. That was the title of the article. Did you know really? that? Yeah. Wow. And so limousine cattle, as they come from France, tr- offered a tremendous amount in terms of cutability, in terms of uh, overall yield, 
because we've always been taking our eye off of the ball in the cattle feeding sector. We look at what the premiums are for marbling, but we don't look at what the profitability is and what the animal takes to feed from A to Z to get where we need to be. And in all fairness, at that time, we didn't know that because I had 300 limousine cows at one time selling bulls, we didn't know about this myostatin gene of tenderness. Now, here I am every day bragging about the Piedmontese cattle that we raise, and we still raise limousine, but the Piedmontese cattle that really zeroed in on the, the myostatin gene, which uh, two copies of myostatin gene does not regulate muscle growth. Consequently, when that muscle grows, we call them double muscled. But what we learned is that that fiber, muscle fiber is extremely tender. So now the Piedmontese breed is capitalizing on what the limousine breed could have done back then. And where did we go awry? We went awry because we started chasing the fad, which was, oh, they got to marble better. They got to be black-heighted. They got to be pulled. All of these things that really didn't improve the eating experience for the consumer because that was what we were told was important. We lost, we lost sight of what that breed offered at the time and went with what was trendy. And to me, there's a big life lesson in all of that. And if I could rewind to 1994, we'd do it all different. You know, I can't disagree with you because every breed has chased uh, that cookie cutter look of the Angus. And unfortunately, um, it has led, well, maybe not unfortunately, it has led to greater consistency, I suppose, and what you could expect from beef cattle. You know, we're so variable in the beef industry, but I actually think that that variability is what makes us stronger. And when we lose that breed integrity, you know, when I, when I see a Charlay or a Simmental or a Limousine, I want to see those breed characteristics. And as a seed stock producer, that is my job is to maintain those characteristics mm-hmm. so that a commercial cattleman can go and breed his cattle to my purebred limousine. And he gets the advantage of that hybrid vigor and that cross. And I don't take advantage of that cross at home. I, I leave it for him. That is my job. And that's why there's value there. Now, I'll tell you an interesting story about where I think the limousine breed did not monopolize on exactly what you're talking about. When I was in college, so 2007, I moved to Washington, D.C. My roommate was a vegan from New Jersey. And Kevin always wonders why I pick on New Jersey. But she was a <laughs> vegan activist. I remember this roommate. <laughs> yes. So she and she was tough. I mean, she wanted she was very health conscious. She had watched a YouTube video on animal abuse. And she had decided the best way for her to be healthy and to save the animals was to go vegan. Okay, so I spent the whole summer trying to debunk misconceptions with her. And you know, the one thing that I did that made her, or didn't make her, that prompted her to start eating beef again, because she was eating beef by the end of the summer. I brought home a package of Laura's Lean Beef from the grocery store in Mm -hmm. Washington, Mm D.C., which I knew purchased limousine genetics at that time. Limousine beef was being marketed through Laura's Lean Beef. And I compared the labels to her. I showed her the calories from fat and whatever, and from compared to her veggie burgers. And then I showed her the ingredients and that's what prompted her to go back to eating beef. Now I'll tell you this, we can, we can dog on the breed all we want and we can say coulda, shoulda, woulda, but I'm more of a problem fixer. So to me, I see a huge opportunity for individual breeders to go out and market exactly that, the tenderness, uh, the the cutability, the high red meat yield, the fact that they're going to be able to have a ribeye that fills the entire plate 
and then stockpile their freezer at an affordable price. And uh, if any limousine breeders wants to team up with Knowles Limousine and Amanda Radke to do exactly that, I don't need to wait for a breed association to do it for me. I'll just go do it myself. And uh, that's where I'm at. That's where we're all at. Finding a way to be a part of the food supply chain, taking care of the natural resources and efficiently getting them to the consumer so that the next generation, those little educators in Mitchell, South Dakota, had the same opportunity that we had. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America for AmandaRadGeek.com. I'm Trent Luce. Both of us reminding you, another 50 bucks to change. All roads do lead to a roll route. Okay, quickly dates to remember. The Thibodeau and Trent Talking Turkey Tour starts March 28th. That runs through the last week of April or into the first week of April. And then April 9th and 10th, Lone Creek Bull Sale, Broken Bow. See you at any one of those places.